UFC 203 is now in the books. History was made last night, but maybe not the way you thought. We're covering it here at UFC's AfterBuzz coverage, and it begins right now. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, AfterBuzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. It is not easy to listen to this right now. <laughs> it, is, oh, it is for me, but, This know. is rough. Not for him. Yeah. It's a rough song. I like the song, but... Hey, it's ruined forever, right? It's ruined forever now. What's up, everybody? Welcome, welcome, welcome again to After Buzz TV's UFC 203 coverage. Thank you for joining us. My name is Christian Cole. You can find me at X-T-I-A-N-C-O-L-E, at Xchin Cole on Twitter, Instagram, and all the other social mediums. Uh, but I would love to s send some attention to this phenomenal panel. First to my left, Mr. Gabriel Gonzalez in the house. Hey guys, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Double G on TV. Double G on TV, and without any further ado, my man looking fly with the hair slicked right here. No, you, sir. <laughs> Mr. George Hermosa. That's Welcome, me. George. You can follow me. You can find me at G Hermosa, G-H-E-R-M-O-Z-A. I love this song. We should just play this for the whole Dude, Seriously, yeah. I like that they, they played at the end of Bring It On. Yes. Yeah, I'm thinking cheerleaders right yeah. now. Folks, 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 on the end of the table, a man with a martial arts background. He likes to add a little bit of martial arts um, information into this conversation. Very keen and profound, uh, Mr. Chris Howard. Welcome, Chris. Thank you, my brother, and I can take this guy. No, okay, no, 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 I'm joking, I'm joking. Dude. See, hey, you, you, got, uh, you yeah. just need one finger around the neck. Oh, no. Chris Howard, you can reach me at Chris Howard live on Twitter and Instagram. Also go to legendarylivingdaily.com for daily inspiration motivation that type of jazz that is the jazz and we are the jazz musicians and we are here now to to have a great discussion with you guys for about the next half an hour about UFC 203 it is now in the books um, and honestly guys it was a, it was a card that didn't disappoint when you want to talk about whether history was made and it was last night and we begin with our main event of the evening the hometown hero from Cleveland Ohio the UFC heavyweight champion Stipe Miocic goes and defends his title soundly and with authority against mm -hmm. Alistair Overeem a superstar in the sport the most decorated MMA kickboxer uh, fighter in the world. Boys, this fight was uh, crazy and a crazy finish. I know this was a long time coming because uh, Overeem having to come in in UFC going back to December 2011 was his first UFC fight uh, against Brock Lesnar. Um, and a lot of people were like, dude, finally, you know, the Strike Force champion, I think he, he retired. Not retired, no, no, because I know Cormier no. won that tournament, but he pretty much yeah. left Strike Force still as the champion. So a lot of people were thinking of he should automatically come and get that UFC title shot. Obviously, there were roadblocks in the way you know yeah. he's supposed to fight dos santos back in 2012 right you know steroids and whatever you know that's four years ago Pop but now test. he kind of came back up and you know earned his title shot the, the right way yeah you know yeah. i asked my friend yesterday i go what, what do you, what's wrong with alistar why don't you root for him he goes he's a little too juicy for me <laughs> <laughs> so like he, he looks like a machine yeah this guy. yeah, does, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, chris howard too talk juicy. about what you saw in this fight <laughs> in the main event um you know, it, it, not really domination until the end, but really kind of an even fight as it started off, but then really a crescendo at the end there, and Stipe took it away. Yeah. Um, first round was crazy, though. He was in trouble. What would you see? It was crazy. There? I mean, well, the, the thing is, is that um, what I saw overall was just precision on Stipe's part. 
just he was he was very precise you know we had uh we had Oberim, who's kind of the the war veteran who's been through battle after battle coming to the front um, and I just saw Stipe kind of picking him apart yeah piece by piece by piece by piece yeah sure and yeah and I thought I thought it was a I, I thought it was a good fight it wasn't my favorite fight of the night mm. but I thought it was a good fight um, I you know they traded some punches there back and forth um, but uh, the overeem was you know once once they started running out of steam mm-hmm. they, and these big guys they start <laughs> running out of steam and it just Huge starts to slow guys. down yeah. yeah so you get to round three right was it uh, no that, that one oh no this one okay first. that was a, yeah. that was the other fight this was uh, four minutes to twenty seven on this on the first round mm. so but they were still losing steam yeah. overeem was still losing steam so mm-hmm. he, he went into it uh, and he lost it. He had a lazy side kick that almost looked like it was a, a like aimed toward the, the knee or kick. something, like a joint yeah. breaking kick. Uh-huh. Yeah. Sure. Um, and so Stipe took him down, um, and and he, he was able. This is what I found was interesting. Stipe was and what impressed me most was Stipe was so precise with his punching. Uh-huh. Like so, when Overeem's covering up, Stipe is going right around the cover, right around the cover, through the cover. When he takes him down, and he's actually kind of a slip to the ground off of that side kick. Yeah. He goes down to close the distance, and he's able to uh, punch right through the guard. He, yeah, he just frames, accurate punches through the guard. Yeah, yeah. he yeah. frames he frames the he frames his neck out, uh, and then he hits him with a couple of hammer fists. And then as he's punching down, he screens the arms to punch right through and hit so precise. Sure, I love the precision of Stipe. Great Miocic. precision yeah. we saw yeah. from um, from from the champion Stipe Miocic. Uh, Gabriel Gonzalez. He was in major trouble at the beginning of that round. He was. It, you, we don't really know who was going to win that round 10-9. Uh, obviously, Stipe finishing the fight four minutes and 27 seconds into that round. But were you afraid he was going to be out, out out on his feet there at the beginning? He kind of took a big punch from uh, from Over, Overeem. What would you think of that first round? Was he in big trouble there? Well, of course I thought he was going to go out. It's freaking Alistair Overeem. The guy, can, the guy just has to touch you, and he knocks most guys out on any given night. I think what's more notable was how Stipe Miocic was, had octagon control. I mean, when we talk about it, he's the most decorated kickboxer to enter the UFC. Probably the most decorated striker in MMA we have as far as holding world titles in K1 and Strike Force, Dream, you know, pick them out of the hat. So the fact that Stipe was the one really making Overeem step back and even before he really hurt him, Overeem turning his back to run around, right. I mean... That was just so uncharacteristic. I don't know about you guys, but I was watching that and I'm like, I understand you're being patient. You know, there's a five round fight against a guy who's in pretty good condition. He went five rounds with Dos Santos. But Overeem just looked too timid out there for me. And that's shocked me because you would think it's on the feet. This is where he's probably trying to pick him apart. But instead, it looked like he was just trying to be too defensive. So yeah, that, that was obviously happened. a strategy was to run. Yeah. yeah, it's because he did it so much. Well, we saw it, I, we saw it in the McGregor fight a, a month ago or so, yeah. where where McGregor was booed uh, incessantly by the audience there, um, watching him sort of run. In this case, it was uh, less by necessity, maybe more by strategy. When you saw Overeem sort of turning his back, wanting to find find yeah. a place to set his feet and go back into the yeah. fight, but there was a lot of running in, in this fight. Yeah. Um, I have a yeah, quest, please, yeah. big question for you guys. Do you guys no. think that Miocic was had hurt Overeem, or do you think that he had an adrenaline dump when he didn't finish him with the guillotine and the big right hand that dropped him? I mean, you think are you asking if Overeem hurt uh, Miocic? No. Do Do you think that it, uh, Overeem got hurt with one of the short punches that we talked about, or did he have an adrenaline dump because he thought he'd finished the fight already so, in the first two minutes? So he gassed himself. Yeah. 
Because I, I was looking for it, and I was like, when did he really connect that suddenly Overeem has stopped throwing any offense, really? Maybe. I mean, obviously, with the, with the post-fight interview that they did in the cage, Overeem, I don't know if maybe he was got a little... Uh, what's the word I'm Rattled. No, just like in, in a different world. Cause yeah. maybe he yeah. You think he, he had... was the one who was getting but, beat but I, don't, <laughs> but I don't know if he was, maybe that was the KO talking. I know Joe Rogan was saying yeah. that he doesn't want to interview guys um, after they've been KO'd. Yeah. But I don't know, maybe he, he thought that his confidence level went up. Uh, we've seen that with Overeem in the past where he just kind of gets a little too cocky. You know, we've seen it with Travis Brown, with, with Ben Rothwell. Right. With, uh, Rothwell. To, no, Bigfoot Silva. That was the yes. biggest example yeah. where he thought but, he had it in the bag. Yeah, he just kind of he just kind of took the foot off the pedal and just kind of like, oh, you know, I got this. Yeah. And then he ended up getting tagged. Um, maybe you saw a little bit more of this where, like, you know, he he, he dropped Miocic. He got him in the guillotine. Apparently, he thought that Miocic, Miocic tapped. Yeah. And maybe, yeah, maybe he did let off, let off the pedal to the point where he started to kind of run away. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? You're that, like, like you said, one of the most decorated kickboxers and strikers of all time. Dude, what are you doing? Yeah. See, I, I don't know if he really thought that because his body was never under Stipe's uh, body. So he wasn't properly aligned for the guillotine. Mm. So if he were to get it, because when, when Miocic came out of it, it, the positioning of the arm wasn't such that she he could have actually even really gotten the guillotine. Sure. Yeah. So he just had a he had a tight grip, but he didn't have it. Uh, you know, he, he wasn't going to close any, everything off. Right. That position. He, he, yeah. Exactly. And he, first he went over the arm, then he went uh, around the arm, so he had proper positioning of the arms, but his body was over here on the side. Mm -hmm. So I don't think he could have had that choke. Yeah. Uh, what's next for Alistair Overeem, guys? What, what do we see for him in his future? I mean, he came into UFC a few years ago. Uh, this is a guy who expected was expected to climb the ladder in UFC, win the heavyweight title within his first two or three fights. He has struggled in his career in UFC. He's also shined. It isn't mm -hmm. that he hasn't had great matches and great finishes. Um, what is next for him now? He's been stuck in this limbo zone. Gabriel Gonzalez, can you shed some light on what you think is next for Alistair? Well, like you just said, he's been in limbo. He's fought so many of the top-level guys. Um, he's fought Junior Dos Santos, obviously the next biggest name. He's fought Ben Rothwell, Travis Brown, pretty much most of the top 10, top 6 at least. I think that he's got to work his way back up because right now they obviously have Kane, Junior, People are talking about Josh Barnett maybe resurging. So I actually, when I looked at the division, maybe a rematch with Travis Brown, both of those guys, you know, it was a one-round fight. So I do feel like that's one. Running it back, I think it would be good for both of these guys' careers considering the kind of skid they're on. But um, it's just more shocking just how dominant he looked to really be taken out so decisively. Right. And once again, full credit to Miocic. The, like you said, the short punches were so accurate on the most decorated striker in the heavyweight division. I mean, the ground and pound that was displayed at the end of that fight where he literally mounted him and then started tap, or it was actually in the guard, if I'm not mistaken. He was, he was still within the man's guard, which as anybody who's ever rolled knows, it is difficult to get leverage on strikes when you are in another man's guard. And um, and he somehow was able to find accuracy to the point where he was just slamming uh, Overeem's head into the canvas with punches, and he was out on that first punch, taking maybe three or four more unnecessary mm -hmm. punches. Yeah. Certainly no gripe with the champion Miocic in that scenario. Uh, you know, you want to make sure the referee pulls you out of oh, the yeah. fight before you ever, as we saw with uh, Anderson Silva yeah. and in, in the past. Um, George, uh, is is he is he right here? Is Alistair still 
considered a top five guy? Can he win two fights in a row and be back in the conversation? I, for the title? I, I think he is, especially kind of going being on a role that he's been in. Um, just maybe back to the drawing board, maybe get, come out with a new game plan. I mean, obviously, easier said than done. Me not being a fighter, we'll talk about that in, you know, in, the, in a little bit. But yeah, when he dropped Miocic, it's like you could have just uppercut him real quick, you know? Again, easier said yeah. than done. Maybe he didn't see that from, from our standpoint, from, you know, I don't know why he kind of went for the choke yeah. in an easy kind of. You can tell he was started a little bit, and, and you know, Mio just could have been finished. But I don't know. Like I said, obviously, maybe Kane and Stipe is probably maybe going to headline MSG or maybe sometime down the road. So that takes Kane out of the picture. Is MSG uh, too quick for, for this, for, for Stipe to jump back in the cage? I mean, that's a month and a half from now. Two months? I mean, Two you got to think, yeah, though, they November get about... 12th. Not even it depends how healthy he is. Because if yeah. anything, Travis Brown just fought on July July 9th. Yeah, yeah but Tra- Travis Brown fought again because he, he wanted to, yeah. to... You know, that's different than being the champion. You know, if I'm the champ, I'm going to take a couple it, it, months I'm kind of curious to hear. Yeah. Bra- uh, not Travis Brown. Um, Stipe also did say that he is looking to get a bit of time off because he did have to go right into things right. to prepare for Overeem Plus right two, after winning it, in Brazil. Especially now that, you know, they pretty much sold out Cleveland. Maybe this is going to be like one a, a new hotbed yes. for the UFC for to build around Stipe Miocic and because that crowd maybe it's a wrestling fan to me but that crowd was just insane for that guy maybe they're still high off the, the Cavaliers winning but yeah. again yeah. right all right, a few months before that I want to talk about this a little yeah. bit what you're just saying uh, first of all when we, when I watched this card as I watched through the prelims and then through the main card I actually had a, a, a huge issue with the crowd I felt like they were booing at every scenario you know I, I, people who know me know that I'm a pro wrestling fan I also do some wrestling on the mm-hmm. side myself um, it felt like a wrestling crowd. It felt like a crowd that wasn't educated on yeah. mixed martial arts. They're booing every time guys are kind of trying to find the pocket. Mm. You know, I don't like seeing that. Let mm-hmm. these guys get in there. And then they're booing the decisions when winners are up there taking their interviews when uh, Fabricio. Maybe they're booing him because he's now the main threat for their for their hometown title. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you're, you're booing a warrior. I'm, I don't condone that, personally. Yeah, you know what I mean? And so it felt like a wrestling crowd there who was there to see CM Punk, which we'll get into in a few minutes, who then really disrespected some of the, the, the valiant efforts that we saw in the cage. Um, and But then at the very end, man, when Stipe finished that fight, uh, you, the crowd was as loud as I've ever heard a UFC crowd in my mm-hmm. life. It was like they just won the NBA championship. Yeah. They gave for him a the LeBron time. James treatment, pretty yep. much. Yeah, yeah. and even special it, stuff. Yeah, all the people in the who were there in the building live to insane. It, it's like Ireland for Conor McGregor in here in Cleveland. So. I think George is right. I think they're really looking at, hey, we can really create a large gate, large revenue here in Cleveland if we're building these good cards and you got a guy like Stipe still winning. Especially with Cleveland, kind of. Yes, they've had some bad sport teams, but they're so, so diehard fans. Yeah. Like, they don't give up on their team. You know, you still have the diehard Browns and Indians fans, obviously with the Cavaliers. And, yeah. again, this is just their passion coming out. Yeah, I don't agree with some of the other stuff they did. But when they were when they were behind Stipe, I mean, it was a pretty cool visual to see. Yeah, all love to the Cleveland fans. Just, you know, get yeah. start watching MMA a little bit more and stop booing these guys for going out there and bleeding and leaving their hearts in the cage. But, uh, but, but to, your point, to your yeah. point, Christian, is it very possible that they pulled a different crowd than they normally would have because... Because of CM Punk, sure. and that cross promotion was probably exactly what they were hoping to get. Mm-hmm. Yes, and so yeah, That's the mix. I think you, you spotted that well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's move right along, guys. We have another, uh, you know, a couple fights to cover here during this uh, this tight show, this tight packed show here for AfterBuzz coverage. Uh, Fabricio Verdum versus Travis mm-hmm. Brown in the co-main uh, main event of the evening. How much do I love Bruce Buffer, by the way? That dude oh, really man. handles it. You know, the co-main event of the evening. You're just like already, uh, you know, feeling the card, man. Bruce yeah, Buffer. Really good impression. Like last time you did like a Nate Diaz thing now oh, yeah, even yeah. like a tiny yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Smokes you Of course, I won that fight. So, so we have Fabrizio Verdum defeating Travis Brown by a unanimous decision. Boys, I saw a very different version of Fabrizio Verdum last night. He comes straight out in the beginning of the oh fight. Oh, my God. You know, not, it wasn't anything illegal, but oftentimes you'll see guys come to the center of the cage, touch gloves, circle, and then engage. Mm-hmm. In this case, he came out just like you hit the Y button on Xbox. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like immediately dropped a jump kick to the face of Travis Brown, which I and think any him. other man would have gotten knocked out in mm-hmm. that scenario. Brown being able to take the punishment, and it was very peculiar sort of karate sort of taekwondo techniques from a guy who's a brazilian jiu-jitsu guy yeah he's got striking but we saw some really unorthodox stuff from fabricio uh, verdum chris howard yeah no i thought it was fantastic i mean it had to do a, it was a running jumping hmm. sidekick he just wanted he, to show off that he knew kung fu well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no i think that i mean for the jiu-jitsu guys as i was watching the fight i thought you know if you have a really really solid ground game it does give you permission to play with other things and sure. to be a little bit more free because you're not afraid of somebody catching your leg. You're not afraid of somebody catching the kick. You're not afraid of them uh, jamming right, take, it and take taking you down. It's the okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we'll play on the ground. We'll play in the air wherever you want. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. you get to do some stuff. So I'm not surprised to see some of the you know more karate or even capoeira type techniques because he was doing flip kicks. And, yeah. yeah, there was oh, that so one sort of uh, uh, flipping uh, bicycle kick. I yeah. mean, kick, and he almost yeah. hit that thing too. And I would have loved to see a knockout by that. You <laughs> that would have been fantastic. Yeah. yeah. But Fabricio came into the cage uh, really just sort of entertaining with his fighting style yesterday. And I think Chris Howard hit it on the nose when he says, take me down, put me on the ground, I'll still beat you there, I'm going to try sure. some stuff. And it, mm-hmm. it, it sort of made a liberal approach from him. What would you see from that, Jordan? I would have liked to have seen Verdun maybe try to attempt to take him to the ground. I, I think Fabricio Verdun is probably one of the best jujitsu practitioners in the entire world probably the best at heavyweight and that says a lot because i think frank Mir is awesome um but yeah i mean i i liked what i saw i mean i, I did see a little different verdun I, I think i we've seen a lot more of a striking kind of improve in the last few years especially against kane you know people are going to yeah. blame the altitude but i don't care i mean i think verdun you know just had the same kind of yeah. pressure that, that that kane did um just even other against other fights against you know guys like mark hunt i mean the guy's just just yeah. verdun is definitely one of my favorites very nice guy too i know you've you mentioned that you've interviewed him i've interviewed from him too actually i interviewed him in a uh, Spanish for AfterBuzz TV. Oh, so he's is, is he trilingual? Is that what's going on? Yeah, here? English, oh, wow. Spanish, and Portuguese. Yeah. I tell you, these Brazilian he does, fighters. He are... does the Spanish broadcast um, for Fox Deportes. I tell you, these, yeah. Brazil, these Brazilian fighters are so talented. I mean, not only do they dedicate their lives to martial arts, but they often know three and four and five mm-hmm. languages. And Verdum, for me, was a very humble and nice guy to deal yeah, with. Yeah, I remember I, I saw him at the Invicta show last year and I asked for an interview. At first, he said no because I think he thought it was maybe an English interview. I was like, dude, it's up to you. If you want to do an English Spanish, he actually came out to find me again and be like, dude, I'm ready for the interview. If oh, I prefer to do it in Spanish, I'm like, dude, you the man, bro. That's awesome. Uh, what, what did you see from Fabricio Verdum, Gabriel Gonzalez? I'm curious if he if he showed enough to you to be the guy that can take out Stipe Miocic in the future. Is he a, a, a real threat for that title? To be honest, he looked more of a threat before the fight than uh, after. Because in the first fight, I really thought that uh, Verdum was just... Too aggressive, too confident. He thought that he could control the world that night when he defended the title in Brazil against Stipe. Mm-hmm. So to see him kind of get taken out like that, I think it was very good. It made him more disciplined. But honestly, when you look at how Stipe looked, has looked in his previous competition, looked last night against Overeem, Verdum just, he's always fought like a refrigerator. You know, he's very lumbering. <laughs> I compare him a bit, you know, an MMA version of like Canelo Alvarez. You know, he's not going to be the biggest Fleetfoot guy, but sure. his techniques, he just knows a lot. 
Sure. Verdum, he looked good. He won in decisive fashion. I have no problem with that. I think it's very fun to see he's trying to get the crowd into it, take chances. I don't think he's quick enough to be the guy to take out Stipe. I think if he had shown that he wants to use a more disciplined attack, the ground game, maybe work in. I think he was fully capable of knocking out Travis Brown. It actually shocked me that he didn't. I agree. Yeah, and also maybe credit Travis Brown's chin. I mean, a lot of people, mm -hmm. I feel like myself included, after the Cain Velasquez fight, you've seen him get knocked out by Andre Olovsky too. It's like, is his chin really up to snuff to take out all these top guys at heavyweight? And he took some good punches, so maybe that's also Brown's toughness, not just Verdum's game plan. And, and what about Travis Brown panel? I mean, let's talk about it. I mean, should he be with Ronda Rousey going to make babies too? I mean, is that like, as we heard last week, Ronda may not be fighting in the in the foreseeable future. Who knows if it'll be even five or six years till she fights next. It, she seems like the type that would come back. And without mm -hmm. getting too much into that, I mean, Travis Brown obviously is dating her now and they're maybe wanting to start a family. What, what, what did we see from Travis Brown today? It was a pretty disappointing outing from him. He's a tough, tough dude. Bless him for coming out there and being a warrior. But I'm saying I'm not sure that he is ever going to break that glass ceiling to be the guy in the the heaviest division in UFC, which to me is the biggest. That you know, UFC is where you prove that if you're a world class fighter, you could fight. And uh, and I don't know that he's one of the best fighters in the world. What did you What did you see from that, George? No, I, I agree. I think with Travis Brown. Oop, I just fell off my chair. Um, nice. With Travis Brown, I mean, I mean, a guy who holds victories over Josh Barnett and Alistair Overeem. Yeah. But but even though he has it, and I hate saying this because obviously it's it's the fight it's the fight game. I feel like it's more so Barnett and Overeem lost as opposed to Travis Brown winning, which means that I think it was more so them making mistakes as opposed to like you said Brown just being a flat out good fighter. We've seen him just we've seen him take a lot of punishment in, in, in the cage yes. too. So who knows if he can even take that much more punishment? I mean, against Arlovsky. He just looked so un disoriented after yes. a few punches you know we saw after that first flying kick like you kind of you kind of saw him take like a st like a stumble step you know yeah um again it's one of those where there's so much good talent in that division where i, I really don't think travis Brown will ever be in the it top it just five. seemed like I a couple years that. ago gabriel that, that the heavyweight division in ufc was a little bit like when brock had left and mm -hmm. then it was like who's you didn't really know who was going to take over the division it's as hot as ever now with these with it the is. talent that's there no, it is. I mean, when you think about it, it was essentially the two-man race between Cain Velasquez Junior Dos Santos. Now you got Miocic in there. Verdum shook it all up when he beat Cain. So it's definitely an interesting time. I do agree. that I don't think Travis Brown is necessarily... He's in that... Um, We just talked about him recently, and I forgot. Kind of like that Carlos Condit territory. Sure. Yeah, he's been in fun fights. He's been up there at the top beating uh, some good guys. But just when you look at the rest of the division... You look at where he's at, can you honestly see him making his way back, taking out all those killers, like two or three, and then winning the title? I mean, because... if anybody could do it, it would be a guy that's six foot six, 260 pounds, yes. like Travis Brown, right? He could do it, but I'm not sure if he possesses the skill set to be able to get past some of the guys that are at the top of uh, the heavyweight division. What do you think? I just don't think so, and quite frankly, I feel like the only reason Verdum wasn't able to knock him out with that opening kick was probably because he couldn't see the chin in that beard yeah. <laughs> i mean you know I, I was like honestly you watch it back you understand this is a heavyweight throwing that how do you not knock him out when it looks like he got him clean yeah, so sure i feel like you know what he must have gotten closer to the lip than the chin and it just got lost in the beard for verdum but yeah because when you think about it it's like really how did you walk through that when kane velasquez knocked you out pretty good the last fight Right. What I will say about Stipe, though, is uh, to what you were saying earlier, his his precision is probably the perfect matchup for Fabricio Verdun because Verdun is so 
he was almost sloppy with those overhands that he was throwing. He was looking, you know, he was looking at it, at it, but he was dropping his head and just flailing wildly. And it's that same type of wild abandon that he was having with his kicks and all the stuff that he was doing that a Stipe can get in there and just with precision accuracy pick him apart. Yeah, folks, uh, you are watching AfterBuzz's coverage of UFC 203 with Chris Howard, Gabriel Gonzalez, George Hermosa, and I'm Christian Cole. And uh, to be honest, I have been waiting weeks to talk, no, nay, I have been waiting years to talk about this next fight. Um, the MMA and UFC, which you, you debut with the same at the same time, that's crazy, of CM Punk versus the youngster, Mickey Gall, and um, boy, oh boy, I mean, the coverage that we're about to put in was probably going to be longer than what the fight was. Uh, what a quick finish by Mickey Gall. Uh, I know me and all the other wrestling fans around the world were, were crying into our pillows last night when we went to bed. Um, you know, um, you know, I want to reflect on that for just a second. You know, as a wrestling fan, you know, I know a lot of wrestlers. You could look me up. I've been in the wrestling business for a long time. Wrestling is a, it, it, you have to be a tough dude to be in wrestling, mm -hmm. but it does not mean that you know how to display the, the jujitsu skills, the dedication that Mickey Gall and, and, and just MMA fighters are so well-rounded. I would say to you that an MMA fighter could beat a, bear, a grizzly bear nine times out of 10 because of the way they are able to manipulate the wrist control, the joints, the, the able, they're able to choke dudes out. And this is what we saw with CM Punk. Joe Rogan said it right. This is what happens when a white belt rolls with a brown belt, mm -hmm. and we saw Mickey Gall dominate CM Punk in, how long was this fight, boys? A little uh, over three minutes. Two minutes two and 14 minutes. Seconds. seconds. And when we walked into this studio today, Gabriel Gonzalez looked at me and he said, you know, CM Punk did a lot better than I thought he would. <laughs> and I was like, did you think he was going to die in the game and get rolled out in a, like a coffin match like in WWE? Because he didn't do as good as I thought he would. I thought he would do better than that. He comes in for a strike immediately, gets a double leg down into the, um, into the cage, really, and then gets pinned down. Mickey Gall takes his back, displays you know, practitioner-style jiu-jitsu, dominates the fight, chokes him out, and, you know, we'll get to his interview after in a second. Mm -hmm. What happened in this fight? George, George Hermosa is our other UFC coverage uh, resident WWE wrestling fan. fan. Yeah, we yeah. have the wrestling fans here. Georgie, talk to me, brother. I mean, what happened? I'm a big CM Punk fan. I've been a big fan of him for a long time. And this fight went exactly how I thought it would go. Damn And, it. and, and anybody, uh, uh, I mean, and, and I was rooting for CM Punk. I really was. But I, I and I hope I don't insult anybody here, anybody watching. But if anybody thinks that that fight would have ended up differently... I think needs a question there, MMA. I have uh, to tell you, I put thirty-seven dollars on CM Punk last night uh, because CM Punk was like plus three hundred. Yeah. yeah, it's like the money was there. You know, who knows what he's gonna do? Yeah. Really disappointed, George. Did you cry in your pillow, bro? Uh, I mean, I, I, I went from goosebumps him coming out to Cult of Personality, which was a WWE theme, yeah. and actually Ring of Honor theme. Um, so I was like, oh, cool. I was pumped. You know, you can tell he, he wanted it. And honestly, it, it's one of those where I'm a very positive guy. Um, so I attract. I, I'm like. I'm that guy where I was like, well, there you go, buddy. You know, and, and honestly, and I tweeted last night too, I'm like, just by him coming to the cage, he already won. Yeah. And, and I think it was more so of like, I really honestly think he didn't think he was going to win. I honestly yeah. deep down think that I, I thought that he had no chance. So if, if that was his mentality and just wanted to get in there, well, then you know what? Congratulations. If you see the rise of CM Punk on FS1, if you don't have it, go on demand, check it out. You you would see that the narrative of that show was like, this guy's going to lose. But what a what a trooper. You know what <laughs> I mean? And the like, evolution of Punk. Yeah. And, and Chris Howard, talk about this, man, because, you know, 
without insulting wrestling, because you got a couple guys here, and I'm not, not that you no, would. would. Yeah, but I'm saying, you know, pro wrestling, it takes athletes. Uh, UFC needs fighters. And real quick, just to kind of Please. bounce off that before yeah, we get yeah, into yeah. Chris, where like, and people can say Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar was a national champion in, in yes. college wrestling as, as a as a you know heavyweight wrestler. Yes, he was. You know, he he had a lot of athletic background, especially the wrestling. So it's kind of really not right or unfair to compare Brock Lesnar to CM Punk. Just he was a real fighter. Kind of throw it out there. He know? was a real fighter, and CM Punk has been an entertainer. Mm-hmm. Sure, you know, an athletic specimen too. I mean, Brock Lesnar. I mean, he's still like. When you see him, you know, even before he got caught for the drug test at 200, you know, he's just such a big athletic guy. CM Punk didn't have any of those athletic advantages that, quite he's frankly... He's 37 years yeah, old, too. That, quite I mean. frankly, Brock, his physical advantages often hid a lot of the skill deficits he had. Right. Well, yeah. I think it's just a different game because I remember when uh, I was training at the Gracie Academy. And by the way, I reached out to Henner today because I know that CM Punk was doing some jujitsu with him sure. for a while. And Henner, he was he was out of town, and he said, you know, I used to, I, he said the way I knew uh, CM Punk was I'd go and watch Eve because Eve is Henner's wife, and I know you know them as well. Um, and he said I'd go watch her, and he'd say, hey, will you show me some jujitsu? And he said, so and he says a lot of people are saying that he's not ready for this, but uh, he's a good guy. Was basically all that Henner had to mm-hmm. say about it. But he would have come tonight if he wasn't out of town. Oh. But. Um, the uh, the thing is is it's a it's just a it's a different game. I remember when I was training at the Gracie Academy and they used to have that old show. Um, uh, what was it? American uh, with American, American Gladiator. Gladiators. Yeah. Yeah. With Gina Yeah. Exactly. And one of the purple belts he used to kick my butt when I was uh, a blue belt. I finally got on that show and I thought, oh, he's going to do so well. He's a Gracie Jiu Jitsu purple belt, but it has no relationship to American sure. Gladiators. Sure. And so they just. Threw him around like a like a you know a rag doll. Yeah, we've seen yeah. Michael Jordan go into baseball and not do so well. We we just saw Tim Tebow sign with the New York Mets and and, and to see maybe how he'll do. Uh, we've seen these athletes, you know, Bo Jackson, Deion Sanders. These are guys where it actually worked out. People kind of do revisionist history and pretend sure that they were played, Hall of Famers. Yeah. I'm sure they sport. both played college ball. You know, they both yeah. Yeah. trained yeah. and you know enough. LeBron yeah. was an All American, you know, high school football. You know, what did you see for, in, at the weigh-ins from Punk too, Gabriel? I'm curious because he. He, he didn't look healthy at 70. He, he's a guy who used to wrestle at 205, 215, um, and, and he came in at 170, which was the right decision in terms of you can't beat a 185er, dude. Sorry. but Well, you know, okay, I hate to use the word steroids, but quite frankly, you know, there's no worry about drug testing in pro wrestling. So, you know, he was always going to lose a lot of mass, take into account he's 37 years old. Well, hold but on. I, I got to stop you there because I, my, you know, so? uh, yeah, because I don't want to tarnish the reputation of CM Punk as, as he okay. has always gone on the record is saying that he is completely drug free. In uh-huh. fact, he's a straight edge, which, as anybody okay. knows about the straight edge lifestyle, this is, these are people who don't drink alcohol, not a sip in their entire lives. He's not like a like a guy who went sober. He's a guy who's never even tried drugs. Okay. So I would say that that um, that any type of supplements even are probably outside of his comfort zone. But okay, yeah. all right. Well, even respectfully, and I if think you would have seen him in wrestling, you would have said like, dude, that guy does not take steroids. Yeah, he really? was like the skinny, he was, was, kind of, he was like a skinny guys. fat guy. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I, he I, seems I, like a really nice guy, actually. Yeah, yeah no, and I got to take into account. You know, I think he was being a little bit of the soccer dad in all the build-up. You know, he's mm-hmm. being polite to Mickey Gall. Hey, young guy, yeah, we're going to put on a show. He finally wanted to put the pro wrestling show that all the fans were really waiting for Now you're for alluding him. to him not shaking Mickey Gall's yes, hand. Yes, okay, yeah. yeah. Now, as far as his weight and health, I mean, 
Yeah, the first time you do a weight cut, especially, you know, for your pro debut, it's going to take a toll on you. He probably, even if you have all the professionals telling you, well, you got to control this with your calories, this with your salt, this with your um, uh, electrolytes, it's still a tough thing to do the first time out, even tougher when you think it's the first time doing it at 37 years old. So I think that was maybe part of it. I would say I don't think you should be trying just at 185 just because he is, you know, you give up more physical advantages at 185, at least 170. Even though he's older, he's at least Mickey Gall's height and size. Sure. Uh, boys, we heard CM Punk in the interview at the end say, I'll be back. Is that smart? Um, it, honestly, it, it's smart on his part because then it, it kind of puts him out there. But again, it, it's we're gonna see we're gonna see how much of a sport it is compared to how much of an entertainment it is. UFC is if to see if we he fights again in the UFC. If, if why, he, why would Dana Chris Howard? Why would Dana give him an opportunity to come back in the cage after a performance like they, that? They've got to pair him up right if to make it something that's yeah. At but least then it's a work. Then, now now we're talking about pro wrestling. If you're pairing him but, up right, you know, yeah. I mean, but you got to look at, at his performance. I mean, he didn't. It, th this looked like one of the old Gracian action videos where the karate guys would just get the shit torn out of them by the jujitsu guy. It, it was. You know, what happened was he came in and, uh, what, what's his name, uh, Mickey came in, did it, shot that perfect double leg, took him down, took his, got in the mounted position and started raining down punches, classic, classic jujitsu. This is stuff that was done in the old, old days. Mm -hmm. And he turned around and gave his back for the choke. I mean, yeah. that's, that's, that's an untrained fighter. Yeah. Uh, that just speaks to how far he is from being where he needs to be. And Joe Rogan was absolutely so respectful, but just factual when he said, this is what happened. This is just what happens when a brown belt rolls with a white belt. Gabriel Gonzalez, I'll give you the final word on this fight. Should he fight again? No, and I, I want to point some now because I've been giving you guys a lot of grief, but all the wrestling fans, you guys especially, I get it. I've had so many questions about CM Punk, how you hating on him. I've had to learn a lot more about him. And you know what? I think it's completely great that it's like, hey, you know what? I'm trying to live my passion. I got the opportunity. That said, we kind of had to pull back the veil watching him take that beating from Mickey Gall. And I had to really ask, like, look, I understand he's out there. He said he wanted to live his dream. He got to. He brought more eyeballs to the UFC. Is seeing him take a similar type of beating, what the fans want to see happen mm -hmm. to him, because I, but quite frankly, hold on, I have to interject something because we're sure. running out of time here. here. Here's the point. If if you let him go, if Dana says, nah, sorry, can't fight here anymore, what's to stop CM Punk to go to Bellator? And that's a, CM Punk is a yeah. huge draw. I think they sell that that arena last night, just, not just because of Stipe, but because of mm -hmm. Punk as well. Oh, definitely. He's a huge draw. You, if you you, you got to either say yes, you can fight, or or maybe you lose him to a, another promotion. I was, I was always curious to see if he wanted to, he was more wanting to be a UFC fighter or an MMA fighter. Yes, and now you know, and on, on for CM Punk's defense, if you say you want to be an MMA fighter and UFC picks you up, we're going to do saying no. Right. You know. That's so, true. but but it, it did sound like he wanted to go through the amateur rings. He wanted to go through like maybe the RFAs or maybe even a Bellator. But if UFC is going to offer you a contract, you're not going to. But if say you're no. Dana, are, you're you're, in, you're you are risking the fact that people will criticize you and tell you that you are p putting on gimmick matches and allowing untrained fighters mm -hmm. to put themselves in dangerous scenarios. If he lets CM Punk fight here, this is a political That's, scenario mm -hmm. that is teetering and tottering. 
And what does Dana do? What does Lorenzo do? I think you got to let him go. And then I think he goes to Bellator. See, I, never, I never thought about the safety issue, too. Yeah. Because you're yeah. essentially putting a... a... Yeah, I'm sorry, but do you, as fans, I don't want to... Look, I'm all for bringing attention to the UFC. I don't want you guys to feed this guy to the Lions. And quite frankly, unless he gets another guy, same experience level, same age, you're going to see a pretty much similar result. Because as far as record-wise on paper, you don't get much more inexperienced than Mickey Gall in the UFC. It's right. just a fact. Yeah, right. you got a point there. The one thing I will say is, though, if they, they'll probably keep him, and they'll probably find ways to pair him with somebody yeah. that's going to give him... Where, he, where he's going to yeah. have a greater chance. But he's going to have uh, a more So they're going to be amateur fight. fighters. Yeah, you're yeah. going to get to see Slugfest like we saw with the in the old days, you know, with yeah. uh, Forrest Griffin and uh, Stephen Bonner. That's exactly right, boys. I want to talk real quick about the bantamweight uh, fight between Jimmy Rivera and Uriah Faber. Uriah Faber, the California kid, we saw a, a, a unanimous decision, or yeah, unanimous decision. Um, mm -hmm. uh, what, what's the future hold for Uriah Faber? Should he be kind of thinking about hanging up them gloves? Didn't look that good yesterday. I, sh I think it should cross his mind. I mean, here's a guy. Yeah. who's pretty much won every single non-title uh, or main event that he's yeah. been in. Now, this being his first one that he, you know, this non-high-profile match, I mean, yeah. he's pretty much won every other one. Now, this is the first one. Uh, I don't know. He's got he's got really nothing much to prove. I mean, he's not going to beat Dominic. He's not going to beat um, Conor McGregor. TJ, you yeah. know? I yeah. got, well, I was just going to say, I heard this on Twitter once, and I was very hurt by it. Is Uriah Faber like the Kenny Florian of the lighter weight classes? <laughs> And that's just so insulting to a guy who is essentially, okay, quite frankly, his best years were in the WEC. We all know that, as great as he's been in UFC. This is a guy who essentially built the lighter weight classes, and the world title he held is the same one that Conor McGregor had. He fought the same elite competition, mm -hmm. Jose Aldo, all those guys, before they were, you know, absolved into the UFC. Yeah, he didn't get the gold in UFC. He's probably not going to, but to... Discredit the fact that hey, he paved the way, and it's like with Rich Franklin just because he didn't hold a middleweight title before the UFC blew up doesn't mean that he wasn't once the man. It's the same for Uriah Faber, but yeah, I'd say he's probably got at least one or two good fights. But we all know that I think the elite level it looks like it's his time is done, might be a wrap for him there, yeah. And and Jimmy Rivera, talk about the, the, the how hungry. He yesterday. He looked oh, great, he man. Wanted and, it. Yeah, and he not only did he want it, but he was accurate. He stayed in there. He knew he was fighting a guy who is a name, a household name in Uriah Faber. It didn't rattle him at all. Uh, great, great showing by Jimmy Rivera. Let's move on to our, our women's strawweight fight. That was the final fight on that card last night. We saw Jessica Andrade defeat Joanne Calderwood by submission in four, th four minutes and 38 seconds into round number one. Uh, a big night for Brazil. I thought Bech Cohea won actually her fight on the uh, undercard. The uh, judges didn't see it that way. But a big night for Brazil with Jessica Andrade. Is she a real uh, contender here at the strawweight division? Or is, you know, you, okay, you're nodding your head, Gabriel. Yeah, yeah you oh, see yeah. it. Yeah. I agree with that. Um, she was just too small for the bantamweight division at 115. I think she's uh, got more power. She's got more physical advantages. Um, Jojo Calderwood, she's a woman, quite frankly, she's more cut out for flyweight 125. She was talking about with Ariel Hawani, she was having a, you know, some struggles getting down to 115. So I think maybe she lost a lot of her power that really carried over in her last fight with Valerie Letourneau. But I think Jessica Andrade, I really want to see her against a top girl like Tisha Torres. I think that's a fun wow. matchup. Tisha and I think Torres. she's right there after beating Jojo Calderwood too. 
Yeah, I think a, a, a victory over Joe and Calderwood is uh, obviously sets you up for a good situation in the strawweight division. It's not the it's not the most prep. You know, there's not that much talent in that division. I would yeah. argue, um, and so her name's certainly at the top of the list up there. Uh, George, any thoughts on this fight with the women here? I'm a, I'm a big Joanne Jojo Calderwood Calderwood fan, going back to season 20 of Ultimate Fighter, and really upset me to see her win or see her lose because I, I if you hear Jojo Cal or Joanne Calderwood talk. Oh, it's so yes. like I don't know. She's so soft spoken. Like you, you just want to like her so much, and I do love her. So it's a little upsetting that she won, but good, or she lost, but good, good, good showing by Andrade. For sure, gentlemen. Any final thoughts on this uh, historic card, UFC 203, where we saw um, you know four amazing heavyweights, and we also saw a pro wrestler get defeated by mm -hmm. a by a youngster in Mickey Gall. Any final thoughts from you, Chris Howard? I know. I just thought it was a great. I thought it was a great show. Mm -hmm. I mean, with the the flashiness of Fabricio and bringing CM Punk in there brought a, a new dimension to it so I thought it was a great show and they put on some good entertainment for the evening I mean uh, I gotta say I don't think fighters should be getting into a fight with cornermen <laughs> oh, yeah. what was that, that was man. weird apparently they, they really uh, tried to brush that under the rug too I felt like Bruce Buffer almost had that like that look of like shh don't, don't say nothing that didn't just happen. It is supposed to be the pro leagues, not the amateurs. You know, you're mad. And really your boy out of character fight. there for, for the whole night. Uh, uh, Fabrizio yeah. Verdum felt out of character. It was like he like yeah. popped too much Ritalin or something. <laughs> so he was just like feeling himself. Hey, I hate to say it though, but um, did Fabrizio's corner say, you know, you're just not a good coach? Because so many of the people, with the exception of Ronda Rousey, but even she lost her last fight. The numbers speak for themselves. That guy does not have a great record as a coach. You're talking about uh, Edmund Ronda's Tarverdian, old coach. Edmund Tarverdian, er, er, who's yes. now Travis Brown's coach also. Did you? Any, did anybody actually find out any follow-up on what happened there? You, at the I just saw Fabricio kicking. see Fabricio kicking. Yeah. At, Edmund, Edmund had uh, said something, apparently some profanity. I think just saying like, hey, you fight like shit, something like sure. that. And then Fabricio's right there. Um, I, I imagine all the adrenaline still pumping in. And who was the guy in the in. red shirt who comes into the cage the very last? Sabral. No, what the hell is Babalu? I interviewed Babalu, by the way, as well. Wow. Who, I think part I of the Babalu team for and Fabricio. Fabricio at the same time. So he was coming in there to save Fabricio. Uh -huh. I think that just you know, it's a Brazilian tough guy thing. The I mean, crew. there's a very there's you know that's uh, it's kind of family. It's honor. Yeah, well, these so guys better watch out because yeah. Dana will have all their heads on a stick yeah. and get, uh, put it's them on the pink remember pink lip slime. You know? Remember Babalu's choking that guy out and he had there was blood streaming everywhere and he held the choke and he knew the guy had tapped. If, yeah. I, if you remember that remember fight, that's oh yeah, that was one of the worst one. Yeah, he let that and he got like seriously in trouble for that. But there's there is a there's a, a spark of honor and and pride. I, I mean, I get it, and I, I completely get it, but we're all adults, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, seriously, yeah. like, we're, we're professional, yeah. or, not, they're, or they're professional, they're adults, come on, man. As we all know in the UFC, they are very sensitive about the idea of creating an image of barbarians in this cage, and oftentimes they are very good at avoiding that, as we notice that there is a artistic element from these mixed martial artists always holding their heads up high and, and showing a showing real humility in the cage and when anytime you see that kind of thing happen you get scared as an MMA fan because the last thing you want is to sort of like bring in the the red flags around the country oh this is a barbaric sport I don't watch this crap so I didn't want to see that but uh, also kind of entertain <laughs> you know what I mean it, uh, it happens sometimes I was wondering for a second is that a little bit more of entertainment flair and it was just it was it was strange but I've seen it in the circles uh, real quick we only have a couple minutes left George Hermosa talk uh, Mickey Gall uh, Sage Northcutt Oh, that's going to be... I mean, I, I can't... I, I want to really like Mickey Gall, 
because he look he look first off he looks like a stud. Uh, I think he can be a much boy the the pretty boy image guy more so than Saint Northcutt. Um, but I just can't I just can't judge Gall how good he is based on how I'm fighting yeah, CM Punk. What what a bad day for Mickey Gall. You end up winning, but you actually like still no one knows if you're actually legit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you, all of your fights are w within a minute. And kudos to Mickey Gall for taking this fight against CM Punk when really there was no. You, there's nothing to win other than maybe some fame, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Like you, well, you're I mean, the like guy who beat yeah. CM Punk. Yeah, you're I, the guy who beat CM Punk, but you're but ranking wise, like that, that doesn't matter at all. Mm -hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh, um, so you got to point think about Northcutt out. though. Northcutt. Okay, I have to point out. Um, on paper, when you look at the two personalities, it's a fun one. I would like to point out though that uh, Sage Northcutt is a natural 155er. When you see how tall Mickey Gall is, a 170. Northcutt got beat down when he came up to 170, so I think, you know, that's Mickey Gall just playing a very smart business move, saying, well, yeah, why doesn't Northcutt come up to 170 where I have the advantages I could kick mm -hmm. his ass? That's exactly right. And I, everyone wants to see the fight now. Everybody wants to see this fight between sort of the two pretty boys of the 170-155 pound division. I think Sage Northcutt would be a phenomenal test for Mickey Gall oh, to see if Gall can beat him. I think Gall's in a conversation to start fighting on the main cards consistently mm -hmm. With UFC, um, I think that's it, man. We've had a really good conversation today, guys. Yeah, real quick, real yeah. quick before we wrap. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Obviously, uh, about a week ago, um, some terrible news happened. Uh, former AfterBuzz guest, he was a guest about two years ago. Marcus Kowal, he he runs System Training Center down in you know Hawthorne, California. I don't want to like go into much detail because I think I would just lose it on, on the panel. But obviously, a very tragic situation with him and his 15-month-old son. Um, if anything good come out of this, just please, please, please. And I put it on my Facebook. Never ever drink and drive. It is. I I, I put it on my Facebook. If you're if your number one reason why to not drink and drive is so you don't get pulled over by the cops, then that is the worst reason. It's it's you know hurt others or you don't hurt yourself. Nothing will good come out of drinking and driving. Um, you know, shout out to Marcus Qual Systems Training Center. You know, heartbreaking, but so much love came out of that. Uh, came out of that training center. Um, you know, a lot of people raised uh, over a hundred thousand for the GoFundMe for his memorial. Um, heartbreaking. I'll, I'll put a link on my Twitter page. Um, please, maybe you can still donate because they still want to raise awareness for, you know, against uh, drunk driving. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's worth saying again, Liam Koval um, uh, passing away this past Sunday due to the being struck by a 72-year-old drunk driver. Um, Hit and run. It, it, you know, it, I reflected on it all week. Do mm -hmm. not drink and drive. Uh, a, fam a family member of the MMA community lost his son this past week. Well said, George, and uh, please mm -hmm. convince your friends not to drink and drive. Put them in a chokehold. <laughs> take them down to the ground. I mean, especially now, you got Uber, Lyft. Like, there really is so no excuse. No like, excuses. Literally nothing well, good. Please don't wait for something bad to happen for you to realize, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't be doing that anymore or do that again, you know? So yep. Shout out to all the MMA fighters here in Southern California, including Marcus and his wife, Michelle. Mm -hmm. um, on, I was going to say, on that note, I think uh, very important, you know, September 11th, obviously. Thank mm -hmm. you, all, as always, all the troops who support. I know that we have a lot of MMA fans, and if so many of you watch our show, All the troops, thank all you. the firefighters, mm -hmm. all of first the responders. police officers, first yes. responders, and to everybody who was affected by that day, which yes. I'm sure all four of us were. It, it affected everyone. September mm -hmm. 11th, uh, never forget. So, you know, God bless Chris America. Howard, where can we find you, sir, in the future? What are you working Chris on? Chris Howard, live on Twitter and Instagram. Also, go to legendarylivingdaily.com for inspirational tips. Sweet. Stuff. You got me. Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, PlayStation Network, et cetera, et cetera. G Hermosa, G H E R M O Z A. Go there. Hey, guys, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at double G on TV. Folks, you can follow me at X Cole, X T I A N C O L E, on all the social medias. 
And this has been a great conversation. We are really trying to build this thing. So share with your friends, like, comment, have a conversation. I know Gabriel comments on the YouTubes. He's all about getting in the conversation with you. Tweet us. Thank you for joining us. After Buzz 203 in the books. See you later. Next time. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 